0: hello you gorgeous lot it's chappy your british butler keep calm and cauliflower cheese episode 117 so what uh, does 117 have in terms of significance well that's how many cricket test matches david gower the elegant left-hander the uh, fluffy haired uh, blonde Adonis played for England 117 test matches. And that's the only fact that I have for the uh, number 117. Just off the top of my head. That is how awfully, terribly geeky that I am. That I remember that. I don't even have to look up in the Cricket Bible wisdom that Gower played 170 test matches. It just comes to my mind. Along with his batting average of 44. Which should have been higher. But you know what? sometimes when you're dealing with very smooth, beautiful, delightful, slightly anarchic and also um, maverick style of batting, you can put up with it. So anyway, just in the side at the top of the show here is Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese is the name of the podcast. So this podcast delves into uh, everything British, basically an uh, ex-pat Uh, Englishman living in uh, Colorado, living in the US. I've lived in the US nearly half my life. And I can't shake all this bloody accent. How the hell does that happen? No, but seriously, um, I have been here half my life and nobody would ever believe it. uh, I got up at four o'clock this morning to uh, indulge in some test match cricket, uh, still read the London Times every day. Uh, I have the dogs uh, lay on my slippers to warm... Uh, my little tootsies, I mean all of these wonderful things as well. Um, But uh, no smoking jacket, not yet anyway, in about maybe four or five weeks' time. I'll be getting out the burgundy smoking jacket that I uh, love to wear in an evening as I stoke up the fire and tap out my pipe. (laughs) That is the uh, essence of my existence and my life. But it's lovely to be here. Uh, Again, we're going to uh, try to struggle with uh, two episodes this weekend. I'm thinking uh, there'll be one on our traditional Friday launch date and I may nip one in on Sunday or possibly uh, our little bank holiday, which is Labor Day here in the U.S. I may do one on Monday. I may do early. Maybe I'll be like the creatures of the night and pop up early and uh, you get my little uh, little notification saying, As you keep calm and Cauliflower Cheese and it just emerges and emanates onto your device however you listen to me. And there's many ways to listen to it. I, I do, do believe that you can get a pterodactyl's beak, uh, similar they had on the Flintstones, and you can uh, and you can use that to listen to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. That we do have, uh, as well as vinyl, we do have them emboshed onto stone pieces, similar to what Moses uh, had uh, on, on the tablets when we had the Ten Commandments. Uh, although... Nothing on this show is, uh, is is written in stone. Everything's a little bit loosey goosey, and that's just the way I like it. Uh, more loose than goose, you know, geese can be mildly aggressive, and that's something that. Uh, you know, it's certainly not. Uh, certainly not aggressive. I'm a very charming, gentle fellow, and uh, and I'll ease you into the uh, into the podcast today. It's the usual nonsense. It's carbladen. It's eccentric. It's whimsical. Uh, a lot of it's uh, completely off the top of my head. You'd never believe it, would you? You'd never believe that uh, your dear host did not have a script. Well, no, we don't have too many scripts here. We have little notations. You know, in the, in the, in the middle of the night, I suddenly wake up and have an ur- urgent uh, need for the garderobe, uh, the medieval loo. And uh, you know, I, I may sort of etch something on a, on a piece of toilet paper or on a toilet roll those little toilet rolls they're only good for you know once you've finished with them they're only good for two things firstly uh, giving Maggie the corgi or any dog that uh, is very young puppy like and give that to them and they'll chew them up but also it's excellent just to rip a piece a hole in it and you have your own sort of parchment where you can keep notes for your podcast for the week so some of my etchings are on beer mats not readily available here in America but uh, the, the toilet rolls, you just, you know, t- cut a piece, you know, cut down the center and it's perfect for keeping copious notes on one's podcast. That's a podcast 101. I mean, there's people out there making millions giving advice on how people should do podcasts. Podcast 101, cylindrically cut down the center of a used toilet roll and then you can use that to, uh, to put all of your notes in. I mean, a fountain pen soaks lovely into that. Uh, into that. So if you have your Mont Blanc, and uh, you're a calligraphy expert, keep your notes on a toilet roll. That's Chappie's advice for you today. Just a very quick personal message to my lovely, wonderful darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, it's not Clementine, but Nicole. This goes out to you. Uh, just a little personal message here. I don't think anybody else is listening here. This is our own personal piece here. So just wanted to say, um, I hope you're getting better, getting over some uh, surgery at the moment and uh, in quite a lot of pain and uh, tried to be my best. But, you know, as always, you know, with the butler, two left hands, two left thumbs. So anything I seem to do uh, seems to have sort of fairly disastrous consequences. Now, I can walk a dog. I can make a stew. I um, what else can I do? I can program televisions and computers and all that sort of stuff, but uh, you know I'm i either probably too gentle when it comes to lifting somebody up, or too firm, or not understanding very simple instructions. I mean, it's my whole spatial awareness thing, as you heard on last week's podcast, where we had the Zen master mover, who uh, who helped me out, and he and for some reason in just calm, just very mellow tones, he gave me directions which normally I wouldn't be able to follow from anybody else. And um, I may have to employ him as uh, somebody to keep me competent in life, basically. But uh, anyway, hope you're feeling better, Nicole. Lots of love and uh, lots of kisses. And uh, hopefully you'll be, uh, be back on your feet soon. And I'll probably have to make some naan bread, I think. I think I'd make some naan bread just to, just to make things a little bit better. So anyway, what's coming up on the show? Okay, so I saw a very interesting portrait. New Chappie Towers, very downsized. Um, I saw a portrait on somebody's balcony. And you'll never guess who was in the portrait. We'll be talking about that later. Or maybe tomorrow, or maybe next week, or maybe next year. Who knows? Uh, The Mystery of the Lost Ashes. Uh, Forgetting Numbers, which is old man syndrome. I uh, got part of my leg covered in some sort of bird feces. We'll be talking about that. Also the English Sunday roast, the great British Sunday roast. Jamaican ginger cake, splitting tea bags. Why do I keep getting advertising both on my computer and everywhere else about erectile dysfunction? Uh, It's getting annoying now. The AILs are boring me to tears with the fact that they do feel that I need some sort of lolly stick or prop or something on the end of my... uh, um, to keep things... uh, keep things moving in action so to speak and and that's really uh, getting quite irritating the assumption just because I'm a 44 year old man you know that I that I would need such assistance Um, also uh, the uh, mystery uh, mobile parked up on the trail A mystery the mystery mobile little VW parked up on the trail that I saw we'll be talking about that later have you ever got your boss sick Have you uh, ever tried this special trick on Zoom or FaceTime? If you've got a meeting on there or any of these, WebEx. It's a little trick you can play. I want you to try it. Try it at home. Uh, Also, um, more uh, CBD-based dog chew stories. I did say that I would take a uh, CBD-based dog chew. We may be sort of delaying that because I have my lovely daughters coming to to, uh, visit. And uh, yeah, I I think I have to be clear-minded. And I don't know if either the CBD dog chew could uh, uh, probably not help my clarity and also probably give me terrible diarrhoea as well. Um, also, another bird, second bird of the week, um, landed near me. We'll be talking about that. What does it all mean? Why all these birds are attracted to me? We've had magpies before. We've had uh, great horned owls. Birds do take a fancy to me. I mean, talking about the feathered variety, obviously. Uh, also, the uh, antique antique Rocho Volvo. Uh, it's not an anonymous story, but uh, we'll be talking about the antique uh, Rocho Volvo. And uh, oh dear, white nostril hair as well. Uh, some of the news stories behind the glitz of the Sussexes lay a simple truth: our aristocracy is indeed dead in the UK. Uh, what I learned when I rented my parents' former home as an Airbnb. Uh, Michael Gove, the uh, politician, sort of deputy prime minister, almost spotted raving in a suit at 2 a.m. in an Aberdeen nightclub. Marks and Spencers stop stocking suits. No more suits at Marks and Spencers. Uh, You can now get a box box of custard tarts delivered. Love a a box of custard tarts. I mean, I had to firstly put my teeth in. (laughs) I can't seem to say custard. CUSTARD TARTS. Um, and also the most disgusting thing I've seen of the week, I saw a charcuterie ball that looked basically like um, the uh, clown from it with all the skin taking off. And it was a charcuterie ball with bits of ham, prosciutto, and it was styled like a, uh, a you know, a, a cadaver's head, basically. Absolutely awful with olives for eyes. So we're getting a little bit political science now. Uh, so the aristocracy is dead the Sussexes have followed the prophecies of Marx and Engels concluding the traditional aristocracy is finished the nobility does not set the style or taste anymore as it did in the 20th century the last significant aristocrat politician was Lord Carrington who resigned as foreign secretary in 1982 you might count David Cameron former prime minister he was descended from some mistress of William Fourth. Uh, so you know <laughs> who wasn't though I mean, especially Edward the Seventh. He was a rascal, to say the least. Lots of uh, dubious um, bastards and uh, uh, illegitimate children going on there. So the monarchy is part of celebrity culture, uh, as the Duchess of Sussex recently acknowledged. Uh, she said, "I grew up in L.A. You see celebrities all the time. This is a completely different ball game." I mean, but she's given it up. She didn't like playing that ball game. The death of aristocratic power helps explain the affection for Queen Elizabeth II, God save the Queen. Even Republicans find it hard to condemn her. People like that she never asks to be head of state, but does the job anyway. They do not care if, truth be told, she's not noticeably a good head of state. She is. If she were not should it be, uh, have agreed to Boris Johnson's unlawful suspension of parliament in 2019, Marx said that when capitalism had torn up the ties of religion and feudalism, all that was uh, left would be uh, compelled to face the sober senses of his real conditions of life and the monarchy. In some people's mind, the Sussexes present a real threat to the monarchy because they have seen its relevance as many more will once the queen dies. They have soberly concluded that whatever privileges it brings are nothing compared to money and status that belongs to real aristocracy of the celebrity industry. They are so determined to join. Oh, please, we do not want a princess or queen Duchess Kardashian. I think that would be humbug. So the new Chappie Towers is quite the social study. It is quite the social study. So just walking around, observing people, it's great sort of people watching. You know, going from going from not seeing anybody for maybe a week in a row, especially during the pandemic, maybe some dog walkers to seeing people all the time is quite uh, quite interesting. You know, how to get those dogs stop barking at various people. You know, I, I I do fear that my dogs, sorry, you know, used to people, and if they see people dressed a little bit differently or looking a little bit differently. They they sometimes bark and make a very uncomfortable situation uh, in the modern world. Uh, you don't want dogs barking at people just because they uh, have uh, extra tight dad shorts or you know decided to um, wear a monk's outfit or something along those lines. It, that's basically uh, uh, you know the, the issues that you have uh, moving to a new place. But also something I never thought about before. Now, I do have my own hideous portrait that adorns uh, Maggie's study, her little office where she likes to uh, spend most of her days writing her memoirs or uh, making little paw prints of her memoirs. Um, and uh, I've noticed, um, you know, portraits are going out of fashion. It seems like it's sort of a narcissistic sort of study, having a portrait of oneself, even if it really doesn't look like you. But uh, I, I noticed the the other day, I mean, it's there's somebody sitting on the balcony and I noticed that they had like an oil painting uh, on, their, uh, on their balcony and um, basically the uh, oil painting was of a uh, character who was incredibly big in the 90s in a sitcom in the US it was, uh, <laughs> it was a gentleman who had uh, an afro that um, probably went out of style 10 years previously and uh, did like to wear the odd sports jacket, loved big collars. It was a picture, a portrait of Kramer. And I know in one of the episodes of Seinfeld, he did have a portrait uh, painted. I think Costanza did as well, with maybe him and his tighty whities. But this was a picture of, uh, of Kramer, the Seinfeld character, and it adorned uh, somebody's balcony, patio. Is up on the wall, they must have been incredibly proud of uh, of uh, you know of this picture of Kramer looking resplendent. I mean, the collar was certainly poking out. It looked a little bit Saturday Night Fever, but he did have the tweed sports jacket on, and his hair was absolutely fluffy, frizzy, resplendent afro that you'd that you'd always spe- expect from uh, from Kramer. But the question is, why would somebody have a portrait of Kramer? On their balcony. I mean, is it some sort of postmodern sort of surrealism, or did this person have a little bit of an healthy stalking crush on Kramer? This person was definitely a true fan, a Krameroni. And uh, coming on, they probably next. They'll be buying an industrial-sized uh, chicken fryer to start their own chicken frying company. So we love discussing english traditions british traditions on keep calm and cauliflower cheese today we're going to look at the traditional british roast we love beef particularly for lunch on sunday it's part of our national identity roast beef is eaten so called even the french started calling Englishmen roast beef in the 18th century (laughs) du la la roast beef at least it wasn't sort of beef curtains or something along those lines. The Sunday roast is as much of a tradition today as it was a few hundred years ago. It has even been spread from a family dinner table to pubs other days of the week as well. But the origins of the roast beef and the Sunday roast came to prominence during the reign of King Henry VII in 1485. The British used to consume a considerable amount of meat. That's why they had terrible gout, terrible painful toes... The yeomen of the guard, the royal bodyguards, have affectionately been known as beef eaters since the 15th century. I mean, it would be... Uh, probably, yeah, they probably wouldn't get the same attention or same respect if they were called lettuce eaters. Uh, you know, that's rabbits, obviously. In 1871, William Kitchener, author of uh, Auspicious Redivus, or the Cook's Oracle, recommended eating six pounds of meat each week. How <laughs> times have changed as a healthy diet. He also recommended four and a half pounds of bread and a pint of beer every day. That sounds like my own old university diet. Today in the UK, a meat eater's diet can include approximately three pounds of meat each week, only seven ounces of which is beef, and some would even consider that too much. Kitchener also describes in the book how to roast the noble sirloin of about 15 pounds. Before the fire for four hours, this method of hanging the meat on the spit demanded a sizeable fireplace to feed a large household. The meat was served only on Sunday, but as cold-cut stews and pies throughout the week. The less well-off did not have the luxury of a large fireplace or the money for much meat. Uh, they, they Instead, they roasted like hamsters and guinea pigs. For many, a smaller weekly roast would be dropped off at the baker's En route to church and cooked in uh, the cooling bre- bread ovens bread was not baked on Sunday with access to all cooked meat so the, the beef was roasted in the bread ovens with access to all the cooked meat the tradition of the British Sunday lunch began and continues the ubiquitous partner to the roast so here we go we've got the Yorkshire pudding society of America again we all know the chairman I'm sort of the treasurer of this Well, they probably wouldn't let me near the loose change, but the pudding was not served alongside the meat as it often was today. Instead, it was a starter dish served with lots of gravy. My dear mother told me about this the other week. By eating it first, the hope was that everybody would be too full and eat less meat so you can serve the meat so that, you know, those with a bigger appetite can have an extra few slices after eating the Yorkshire pudding. I want my my beef in the Yorkshire pudding. But the modern Sunday roast... As though meat is no longer roasted in front of the fire and today is baked in the modern oven, the term Sunday roast is still used on Sundays throughout the UK, pubs and restaurants are packed full of the roast dinners, even they serve the meal on other days of the week. But for many, cooking and serving Sunday lunch at home is the very heart of British food and cooking. It's considered the time for families and friends to get together. The traditional English Sunday roast include roast potatoes, root vegetables, green cabbage, uh, green vegetables, spring onions, cauliflower cheese, and lots of gravy. The Roast Beef of Old England, an old patriotic ballad, uh, was uh, written by Henry Fielding for his play The Grub Street Opera, first performed in 1731. When the mighty roast beef was the Englishman's food It ennobled our brains and enriched our blood Our soldiers were brave, our courtiers were good Oh, the roast beef of Old England and the old English roast beef Now, go away, try the roast beef But have an extra hot horseradish sauce I dare you, that will tingle your tongue oh so my long lost dear dear uncle has made a reappearance again the uh the rat scallion the uh <laughs> the black sheep of the family has reappeared and i think he's back in france again living the high life he was in newcastle bathing in newkey brown ale for enough time but the other day he made a reappearance uh, once more and uh Decided to give me a little bit of advice here on my on my love life. He he, he was telling me that uh, one of the best things you can do to pep up one's love life as you get older, once you get over 40, which I am now. I mean, this is probably why I'm getting all these AILs telling me that I need these primers, these little blue pills or whatever. He said, "Forget the blue pills. You need to forget the blue pills, boy." And uh, yeah, so he said that the key is to start eating. Uh, very rummy Jamaican ginger cake uh, whilst in, uh, in, your, in your underwear in your tighty whities and you can immediately tell the difference once you have a little you know, taste a little bit of the ginger in your life then you can immediately taste the difference and feel the difference in one's loins we're talking about a big hunk of roast beef if you have the Jamaican ginger cake you're never going to have that issue basically and this is what my uncle said you can you know you sometimes he would like to pour a little bit of excess rum you know not not you're not talking Malibu here we're not talking a little too coconutty we're talking real rum the, sort, the stuff that put hairs on the chest of sailors if you pour a little bit of extra rum on your Jamaican ginger cake and uh, and you wolf it down, you know, you don't want to go around nibbling like a little rabbit there. You wolf down this Jamaican ginger cake, and it can cause all sorts of wonders. It can it can revitalize your love life as you get older. This is what he's telling me. So, you know, it, that's the whole probably the whole thing. Everybody's eating this Jamaican ginger cake. That's why British people's teeth are so bad. But they're they're eating the sugary decadence of the Jamaican ginger cake, trying to improve their love life as they uh for some people slightly over the hill but that's what he recommends go out there today get your old spicy jamaican ginger cake pour a little bit of extra rum on it and see how you feel afterwards and it's a very very sad day marks and spencer's stores stop stocking suits working from home in t-shirts and elasticated joggers means less than half the branches offer formal clothes. Since 1939, Marks & Spencer has been one of the UK's main purveyors of men's suits. Whether it's tailoring, boasted flared trousers and giant lapels of the 1970s, or oversized shoulder pads and double-breasted jackets of the 1980s, the retailer was a dependable place for work and wedding attire. Today, however, only 110 have the 254 clothing stores stocking suits well under half. The move suggests there's been a permanent shift away from the formal wear that will outlive the coronavirus pandemic. Instead, rails of matching trousers and jackets have been replaced by the broken suit, chinos, and a shirt, and much more casual wear. Marks & Spencers even sells a large range of men's joggers and elasticated cotton trousers. Oh, I hope you're not wearing the joggers or the Leica with the suit jacket on top. Please, no. Garments few that would have associated with the outfitter before now. British shoppers bought 2 million men's suits into the year up to last month compared with 4.3 million five years ago and sales analysis of women's suits have fallen less sharply around 600,000 a year in in 2017 so the ladies are still making an effort. The decline of the suits has seemed inevitable for several years as dress codes in offices relaxed however the rise of working from home has accelerated the trend with few workplaces now interested in suits Despite the demise of the suit, some customers expressed surprise that the local m and store no longer sells a classic black, navy, or gray option. One customer, Steve Jackson, on Twitter said, The local Marks & Spencers no longer sells suits. How long was I away? Another customer, Lisa Shaw, was disappointed, saying, We went to Marks & Spencers to, to buy a husband a suit. There were no suits, uh, smart trousers, but no jackets. m and is one of the many retailers to report declining sales of formal wear. The suit chain TM Lewin set down 66 of its UK shops last year for formal suits and Moss Bros. reported pre-tax losses of 7400000 MS million. M&S say it has a large collection of suits available online and uh, either delivered or collection from 700 of the stores. During the pandemic, we worked hard to adapt our product offer to make more relevant. I mean, a lot of people must have been just wearing the suit jacket. And maybe, uh, you know, either going commando or, or the tighty-whities down below. I mean, that's a, very often it could be the case. m 1st made its suits out of flannel. I bet that was a sweaty mess in 1939. Later moving towards fabrics, including tweed. I'd love a three-piece tweed suit. Oh, wool linen and, oh my God, polyester with the shoulder pads. I remember when I first... I went on a date with my my ex-wife. I had the shoulder pads and I had the polyester jacket on. God, I looked hot and I was definitely not dressing to impress. And that seems to be the case these days. Uh, Nobody wants to dress to impress. They'll meet up with people just in their joggers, uh, just in their lycra, just in their leisure wear and uh, no longer want to uh, get suited and booted. So those little artificial intelligent elves have been at their work again. And it's the same old story. I'm getting very sick to the back teeth of people trying to sell me performance enhancing products. Now, I'm not talking about uh, being better at uh, ironing, uh, pressing, polishing, uh, you know, getting stains out of clothes. Not my usual type of butler performance enhancing. I'm talking about uh, in the loins, in the boudoir. I'm getting bored of it because they, they, they're sending me notes on Instagram. They're sending me notes on Twitter, you know, whether it's uh, Cialis, whether it's Viagra, wh- whether it's any of these damn things. And I thought, you know, my one escape where I didn't think I'd see anything related to this in the middle of the day, they put up a performance enhancing, erectile dysfunction advert whilst I was watching the cricket. Now, is there a group of people... That they aim this towards is it over 40 year old men watching cricket? I mean, I, I guess when you're in your tight whites playing cricket, uh, you need to maybe cons- be concerned about these things. Or if you're sitting on your uh, on your lounge chair watching the cricket, uh, then you know maybe because you're so sedentary and test matches last five days and six hours, you know you're not getting up and about. You're not. Uh, you're not, you know, not rousing yourself, invigorating yourself to uh, to perform more uh, in the uh, in the other rooms in the house. But I, I'm getting a little bit bored of it. And they always say, "Okay, yeah, it can be discreet, discreet packaging." I mean, the thing is, though, if you if you get discreet packaging, people are more inclined to be concerned what's inside the package. There's more rattling going on, and then you start rattling it. And you can hear that it's, uh, you know, lots of little things rattling together. And people know that it's not a jigsaw puzzle, people. It's a pillbox rattling away. And, uh, And they can hear it. And they can see it. And I guess, you know, maybe it's in those little foils as well. But it's in a little box. And the more discreet you make the box and the packaging, the more little eyes want to pry. And then they pull it out and say daddy what's cialis what's cardinal what's viagra um oh it's uh just uh just some nutrients son uh yeah just some uh, nutrients um just some vitamins to to help daddy uh, feel better so to speak so anyway my one bastion my one area where i could escape the ails probing into my life and saying you're over 40 And you're basically over the hill. It's the end of the world, the end of your life as you know it. And you need as much help as you can get. I think I'd be a little bit more concerned, though, if uh, my plant-based sausages came in discreet packaging. My Beyond Meat came in discreet packaging than uh, if I ever had to order the Pilule Bleu. Yes, uh, we have some uh, breaking news from uh, East Angler in the UK. Uh, My parents have had several split teabags during the course of the last week. Uh, They do think it's a faulty box, uh, but they did get two split teabags in a row during the week. I did suggest they go to the gold option rather than the basic option. uh, But there is a big concern that uh, splitting teabags could become a commonality again as it was in the 80s. Uh, we'll have more news as the story breaks or uh, if a uh, if another teabag breaks if you're going around great britain uh, notice something odd about the little towns their names while so many of them are pedestrians uh, stuck out as a bit bizarre or a bit off uh, presented with minimal comment these are 43 favorite charmingly odd british town names Yeah, coming up at number one, Upton Snodsbury. It's in Worcestershire, near North Piddle. Then number two, we have Puckle Church in lovely South Gloucestershire. Barton and the Beans. It really does exist. Uh, Curry Mallet, right around the crossroads in Somerset. Droop, not Brewers Droop, but Droop in Dorset. Not to be co- confused with Droop in West Virginia, USA. Throop in Dorchester, near Aft Puddle. Number seven, Plumpton, uh, East Sussex, not too far dim from Ditchling, coming in at number eight, we have Lodsworth, uh, Lodsworth. Number nine, Warning Glid in West Sussex, number 10, Norman's Land. number 11, Uploaders, number 12, Matching Tie in Essex. Uh, sadly there's no matching trousers then we have uh, nether wallop in hampshire a real kick in the pants Uh, we have polling in west sussex near crossbush Uh, patching also in west sussex near polling we have climbing another west sussex gem diddling uh, don't go diddling Uh, an additional d in the west uh, sussex we have crudswell in wiltshire Uh, and beyond that we have Chedglow, Puddle Town in Dorset, Toll Puddle, a village east of Aft Puddle, another village. Then we have Bryant's Puddle, Westwood Hoe in Devon, up, up of Bucklebury in Berkshire, Mudford Sock in uh, Hummer, New Invention in West Midlands, Picklescott in Shropshire. N- At number 28, we have Marsh Gibbing in Buckinghamshire, Blubberhouses in North Yorkshire, Maple in uh, Worcestershire, Tedstone Wharf in Hertfordshire, Hose, Hobby in Leicestershire. Shobby, Thrumpton in uh, Nottinghamshire. Bitchfield. You don't want to have resting Bitchfield in Lincolnshire. Overpeaver in Cheshire. Wetwood in Stafford. Wet Wang. Yes, you don't want a Wet Wang. Make sure you have a towel. That's due east of Unclebury. Papplewick in Nottingham. Bishop's Itchington. If you have the Itchingtons, make sure you get some good quality ointment uh, if you're going to Bishop's Itchingtons. And the Queen's Camel. Hopefully it's not the camel's toe, and then we have the one that's not on the list. It's not on the list in Norfolk, Melton Constable. Oh yes, uh, well, ah, um, oh, what is it now? Oh, Trump or Trombone time now. <laughs> so, but the best headline of the week. Uh, this isn't part of trumple Trombone, but this is a standalone headline of the week in the Daily Star. Pest hamper signals. Pigeon poo blocks Musk satellite dishes. Pigeon faeces or pigeon poo apparently is blocking Elon Musk's satellite dishes. A Pornhub star has fired her black pants into space for charity. Leo and her partner Lulu have racked up more than 1 million subscribers on Pornhub uh, without ever revealing their faces in x-rated sex scenes. In collaboration with content sharing platforms NSFW, Leo's knickers are now apparently floating around in space uh, and will be sold to the highest bidder at auction next year. How did they get them down again? they attach to it like a fishing pole or something? It's uh, hoped deep-pocketed wannabe buyers, I'm sure their hands are in pockets, so to speak, will go toe-to-toe for the lingerie which proceeds going to research into women's reproductive health experts sent into space launched the underwear garment from sheffield avn reported within two hours and 27 minutes the pants made it to earth's uh, stratosphere at an altitude of 107 and 89 foot where the temperature is minus 55 there's some frosty panties Uh, they then fell back to earth at 250 miles an hour before a parachute opened I wonder if it was like um, maybe some granny panties as a parachute or something at around 52,493 foot uh, to slow it down for landing. I mean, they should have uh, checked for damage before re-entry was attempted. And a meat eater sparked a debate into who was in the wrong after his vegan next door neighbour requested that he stop cooking beef outside because the smell was making her uh, feeling rather unwell. The meat-eating man posted on a forum a Reddit specifically set up for commentators to decide who is right and who is wrong in any situation. He also appealed for advice on how to deal with a new neighbour who moved in six months ago. All was going well until the female neighbour knocked on the door and asked if I could stop making jerky outside because she and her husband are vegans and the smell was making them sick. I told them I'd rather not to make it inside because the smell is quite strong, ironic I know, and that I prefer to continue making it outside. I bet if he had been cooking bacon, then it might have been a different story. Bacon is a holy grail, even luring vegans to its bite. And a horrified dad felt disgusted after reportedly discovering a live maggot in his Asda shopping. The dad of one from Aintree was unpacking his online order on Sunday uh, when he spotted something moving in a bag of baby sweet corn. Upon closer inspection, the bag, which was part of the delivery, found to contain a live maggot. Oh, it's a little little maggot booster. A corn amatada. I narrowly missed on Monday morning a duck uh, shitting on me. Um, so, I mean, it's always a great start to a Monday, some sort of bird flying over and landing right on you. I wondered if it's some sort of strategic defense initiative, because I've had a little bit too much pate and one too many crispy duck press over the years, and the ducks are exacting some sort of delicious, slightly macabre type of revenge on your dear host. So it's getting to around 100 days before christmas if you wish it could be christmas every day your prayers have been answered thanks to a brand new tv channel great movies christmas will launch later this month is set to show festive films around the clock in the uk the pop-up channel will temporarily replace great movies classics from september the 23rd and continue It's 24-7 Christmas movie bonanza all the way to January the 4th. Some of the family favourites includes Home Alone, Polo Express, The Grinch, Love Actually, Elf. Fans will be treated to exclusive premieres for the likes of The Christmas Melody uh, starring Mariah Carey and Just in Time for Christmas featuring Christopher Lloyd. Other flicks making their debut, Strike for Christmas, The Christmas Sitters and Call Me Mr. Claus. Uh, Movie Christmas will be free to air and available to people in the UK. I'm sure there's already Christmas channels that Uh, broadcast all year round here in the us why it might be too early to get into the spirit a psychologist previously told a website do you remember that watching popular christmas classics like love actually can provide an instant boost of happiness as it releases the hormone dopamine it creates that neurological shift that can produce happiness no i could murder a mince pie it's been super having you here on the podcast uh a lovely lovely edition today 117 cucumber cauliflower cheese so you can listen across all platforms like and subscribe i think it's a marvelous thing to do at the weekend because we've got another little edition i think we're going to have it either on sunday or monday this just to let you know so you, people who set their watch to uh two editions of the podcast one coming out on friday one coming out on saturday but i'm thinking it may be sunday maybe even into uh, monday which is a uh, Bank holiday, Labor Day here in the US. But we are available across all the platforms. So from Apple Music to Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn, all of those. And many, many more as well. I did actually, there's a little bit of a crack in my desk here. Just a slight crack that's been repaired. Thank you for a, thank you for a really good repair job on that one, my But um, yeah, so I, I listened to the cracker keep calm and cauliflower cheese emanating from the crack not emanating from a crack it was the crack in the desk this little crack that there's there is there so you can absolutely enjoy the podcast anywhere that you want just pop me in your ears and i'll entertain you for an hour yeah that sounds like i'm some sort of uh podcast oral gigolo or something which uh, i'm definitely not So, I will be back again tomorrow, but coming up next is a little September poem. Apple-ripe September morning. On an apple-ripe September morning, through the mist-chill fields, I went with a pitchfork on my shoulder, less for use than devilment. The threshing mill was set up, I knew in Cassidy's Haggard last night, That we owned them a day, at the threshing, since last year, oh it was a delight, to be paying bills of laughter and chaffy gossip in kind, and work thrown into ballast the fantasy-soaring mind. As I crossed the wooden bridge I wondered as I looked into the drain if ever a summer morning should find me shovelling up eels again. And I thought of the wasp nest in the bank and how I got chased one day, leaving the drag and score knife behind how they covered my face with hay. The wet leaves of the cock's foot polished my boots. I went around with glistening bog holes, lost in unthinking joy i'll be carrying bags today i mused, the best job in the mill with plenty of time to talk of our loves as you wait for the bags to fill maybe mary might call around and then i can come to the haggard gate and i know as i entered that i'd come through the fields that were part of no earthly estate thank you for listening to the podcast we've got a storm brewing here it's a wild affair rumbling and bumbling outside at the moment but i will be back Uh, for another podcast this uh, weekend keep calm and cauliflower cheese 118 until then cheerio